0: Welcome to the Club Leadership Podcast with Jim Weidman and friends. The original podcast for NextGen and Kidman leaders. Let's see who joins Jim on this episode. Hello, and welcome to the club. This is Jim Weidman and it is great to be back on another month and uh, I'm excited this month because uh, there's a lot going on, but there is a special guest that we have on our club this month. She's no stranger to club lessons. She's been on them before. but this is a first for our guest, Miss Helen Fuller because this is the first time she's ever been on the club without her buddies and uh, companions and friends. It's just you and me, Miss Helen.
1: It is. It's a little it, different this time.
0: No, but it's fun. It it's is. fun to be on the club. And uh, tell everybody again, uh, this is Helen Fuller, and tell them what church you're at.
1: Okay. I'm at Rock Church in Wilmington, North Carolina. I'm the Next Generation's pastor, so I oversee everything from birth to um, high school.
0: That's cool. Now, you hadn't always done that, have you?
1: I have not. When I first came on staff, I was the children's director, and I was just responsible for birth to fifth grade.
0: And then what happened?
1: Um, Our youth pastor um, decided he was going to step aside, and so I went and Pastor Brian and I talked and just decided that we wanted to really look at a way to transition kids all the way through and make it a seamless ministry. And so I took over that, and my husband came on as a volunteer and kind of leads our youth group.
0: Oh, man, now th- that's got to be interesting. It is. Uh, it's that. never
1: a dull moment.
0: So... Uh... Your husband works for you at the church as a volunteer.
1: He does. We work as a team good. So That's great. It's a That's lot great. of fun. We now want you, to do ministry together. So.
0: Now, you've been there how many years? Six years. Six years. So that is cool. And uh, this month, we're going to be talking about uh, pacing yourself in the ministry. One of the things that I have noticed um, from a lot of the questions that we get over at KidMenCoach.com uh, is, as well as some of the questions that um, and some of the webinars and things I've been doing with Ryan Frank, it seems like everybody wants to know how much is too much and how fast is how fast, uh, you know how fast is is the right pace and what do you need to do because let's let's be honest, we all want to just double and triple and quadruple our churches and uh, we kind of want everything right now. Right. Yeah.
1: I think one of the, the first things that that I heard said after I came on staff was to remember this was a marathon and not a sprint. And,
0: and you know, we, we've we heard that saying, but let's unpack that for a minute because okay. uh, your husband is a coach. He is. And so you have been hanging out in the athletic department uh, a long time, ever since college. when I have. You, and all those things. And so, uh, you know, Really, uh, how you train, how you practice, how you make ready, uh, everything is different between sprinters and marathon folks. Uh, and, uh, what that is meaning is it's totally different if you're a race horse or a plow horse, uh, you know, race horse don't have to go all day long. Uh, a plow horse needs to go all day long, but it doesn't need to just go lickety split. And uh, one of the things, I worked for a pastor one time that said, everybody is some sort of horse. And uh, I remember on an interview, he said, what kind of horse are you? And uh, I started thinking about it because, number one, I didn't know horses. And uh, there is a difference between a cutting horse, somebody that can really take off fast but then handle changes and special orders and turn on a dime Uh, those folks that are just really strong out of the gate, but they can't be good for long distances. Um, You know, so there is, um, you know, there is different types of horses and, but this race that we're running, it's important that we finish. Right. And so um, unrealistic paces and uh, uh, I think are something that we face all the time. You know, uh, Helen, you're a lot younger than me. And, um, as we said earlier tonight, so is everybody. Uh, but it's one of those things that, uh, there's a lot of young people that are in ministry today that have never lived without a microwave or a drive-through window. And so your idea of get it quick and my idea of get it quick, you know, uh, now, at least we didn't go out to the garden. My mother at least went to a grocery store. And we had some food in the house. I don't know. We, we had to, to go
1: to the garden sometimes. Yeah,
0: yeah. there you go. But uh, it's one of those things that ministry just takes time. It does. Now, when you started, uh, what did you inherit in children's ministry?
1: Um, well, fortunately, my um, senior pastor's wife had been children's director for a couple of years. So she had it really in a good place. She had it kind of where our um senior pastor the 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 direction and vision that he wanted it. So I really did inherit a healthy ministry. Right. Um, you know, when anytime there's change, there's a lot of turnover just because there's change and people don't like change. So um but it was in a good place. And, you know, the thing the thing that I found was that I had to change my mindset because I was a school teacher. And I was used to being a school teacher for a classroom instead of a ministry leader for an entire ministry. Yeah. And so how you do things for one classroom is totally different than how you lead a ministry for an entire children's program.
0: Now, as far as what were some of the first changes in you that you had to make?
1: Um, I don't think I intentionally knew this was what I was doing. Right. But... I had gone from college to being a high school teacher, to having kids, to being um, a preschool teacher. And so my life had been dictated by a rhythm that somebody else had instituted in my life. I always had, I ran a sprint from August to December, and I took two weeks break to regroup and get myself together, and then you had the sprint from January to spring break, and And then you had a break and then you had another season of running hard and then you had your summer. And so when I came in into ministry, all of a sudden there wasn't that Sunday came every seven days and it never took a break. And so it took me, you know, a couple of years to figure out, I've got to find my rhythm. I've got to figure out how I operate. You know, I, I was reading a book, um, by John Acuff start. And he was talking about, um, somebody had asked him when writing a book, is it better to spend 30 minutes every day? Or is it better to take a, you know, 30 minutes every day for a year or take a week off and just focus on writing a book? And, you know, his answer surprised me because it was, you've got to find your rhythm. Think about how you normally do things. And once I realized I've got to figure out what works for me and not what works for everybody else in the office or what works for every other, you know, person that I've connected with. Um, Then I was able to start finding my rhythm and how to operate during the first week.
0: I I think the the point that we've already made is everybody has a rhythm, Mm -hmm. but your rhythm might be different than somebody else's. And I think that uh, if we're going to pace ourselves for a marathon instead of a sprint, it can't just be bam, uh, everything right then. What are some things after you realize that? What are some things that you practically did to uh, find your rhythm?
1: I started following your principles oh, that I learned at Infuse.
0: There you go.
1: There
0: <laughs> it's you true. Go. It
1: was really about looking at what your priorities were. Yeah. And then, um, really setting those times aside and going ahead and putting them in the calendar and making those appointments and, and making those things, committing to those things that you yeah. said are a priority. And um, when you're scheduling stuff, because I was notorious and we still fight this as a staff is we're notorious for, for planning out and putting things on the schedule and then forgetting something at the last minute, throwing something else in and it, you know, that kind of stuff will burn you out if you're constantly doing that and you're not guarding those times. Yeah.
0: I was working with a church the other day and it was a very event-driven place. And when I talked to them is, you know, the first step is rather than what events do we need to plan, uh, the first step in all of it is uh, where do we want to be at the end of the year? If if we, if there's a goal and a vision that uh, the vision of the house that we're all wanting to go to, uh, where are we now? You know, I'm I laugh all the time, and you've heard me say this before, Helen, and probably everybody listening has too. When I was younger, I was a member of AAA to get maps and I changed my own tire. Now that I'm older, I have my own maps on my smartphone <laughs> and uh, they come and change my tire for me, but, um, I remember when I used to call AAA and get those little trip kits, those little maps, that always asked me two questions. Where are you going? Mm -hmm. And then where are you now? And uh, to get the right map, you've got to know both answers. And I think that uh, as a church staff, it's important that we sit down and make realistic goals. And this year, where do we want to go and where are we starting from to get there. When I was at world outreach church, our goal, uh, was, we just wanted to grow 15%. That was the goal 15%. Uh, and so we said, all right, here's where we are. Here's where we want to be at the end of 12 months. Now let's come up with a plan to take where we are and go where we're going." So that at the end of this 12 months, we've grown that 15% that uh, we want to see growth. And so uh, our budget was based on that plan. And uh, I think that uh, those three questions, number one, where are you going? Number two, where are you now and how fast are you really realistically can get there? And knowing those three things will help you come up uh, with a pace that's realistic. Uh, now, as far as you're, you know, going from, you know, fall breaks and right. uh, Christmas and having the summers off, um, how did you make that adjustment?
1: I didn't do it very well that first year or two. I worked all the time. I was talking to my office mate the other day, talking about how when. I first came on staff. I was so excited to be on staff. I'd stay at the office till eight o'clock just because I love being there. And, and, you know, my kids were there too. So, I mean, they were with me, but um, it it took me a little while to realize that this wasn't going to work long term. And, um, you know, when I started thinking about it, I, I'm not one of those people that I like to do five or six things in one day. And, Every day, yeah. I like having blocks of periods. And, yeah. and I realized quickly that when I'm in the office, I see the thousands of tasks that have to be done, and I don't dream anymore. Yeah. And so after that first year, I really started setting. I would set a couple of days aside every month that I was still working. I wasn't taking vacation, but it was out of the office. Right. And totally devoted to just dreaming and yeah. just Just, you know, sometimes it was me sitting in my pajamas at my house. Sometimes it was going out to the beach. It was in different places, but it was just realizing that I needed time away from the office because I couldn't do the piece that I was good at inside the office.
0: I was talking to Ryan Frank today, and uh, we were talking about how we both make appointments to think. Mm -hmm. And that sounds really crazy, uh, but the ministry is so busy. And life is so busy that um, we have to make room to think. Now, uh, any of you that's read Beat the Clock or heard me say, uh, you know, my brain is not for remembering things. Uh, That's what paper or uh, that's what uh, programs do. But uh, again, uh, I use my brain to dream and to think and, uh, you've got to make time to do that. And so I think that's one of the first things is, um, uh, you have to make time to think, dream and plan and making appointments for that. One of the, uh, you know, um, one of the craziest questions, um, that, uh, you know, the, the big, um, uh, when I first started learning ministry leadership, I was, was learning stuff from John Maxwell. Mm. And uh, they asked John Maxwell one time, how in the world with all this speaking and stuff you're doing and uh, pastoring a church, how do you have time to write? And he said, well, I'll just set aside from 830 on Thursday morning to 1130 every Thursday. And right. that, that was his sweet spot that right. he could uh, write. And uh, that worked for him. And he just made appointments. And so Uh, I think the first thing is uh, you've got to identify your priorities Mm -hmm. in life. Uh, You know, my first priority is my relationship with the Lord. My second priority is my family, my wife, and then my kids. Um, You know, uh, I've been out of town over the weekend. And so, you know, it was my priority uh, to see my wife, to see both my girls, and see my grandson uh, today. And so... Before I did anything else, uh, I made sure I did that. But I also have to make uh, appointments for the things that are important. And another one of those appointments you have to make uh, room for is time off. Right. And uh, it's amazing to me. We all read the story of creation. And uh, let's be honest. Uh, You know, God could have spoke all the stuff into existence on one day right and goofed off the other six Mm -hmm. uh you know everything he created he created by his voice and so really it wouldn't take that long to uh you know i i don't know if he said it and then there was you know a formation or you know there was some sort of you know music in the background (laughs) you know i don't know what took so long but i know that He modeled to us there was an agenda Mm -hmm. and something to accomplish each day. But he also, just like he made a to-do list for things to do, he also had a day of rest. And uh, I think it's important that we take time off. I have a, a good friend, I used to kid, that said, you're not working a job, you're serving a sentence. And I told him I knew convicts that got more time off for good behavior than he did. But um, all of us uh, need to look at those times that we take off as a family. And I know it seems like you can't uh, do your work um, without working on some of those off days. But if if it takes all seven days and every night to do your job, I think your pace needs adjusting.
1: Right. And I think, you know, one of the things, too, that that I think is important is to find a hobby. Yeah. Cause that really, you know, I I joked when I first came on staff that now I lived my hobby because I had taught school for so many years and church was really my hobby. It was my escape from my job. And I loved it and I was passionate about it. And so when I came on staff, I still loved it so much. I was so passionate about it that I didn't know how to turn it off even when I wasn't in the office. So football became my passion in, okay. in the fall. So during the fall, that's, I mean, that's my devoted time. And and it's something that, that occupies my mind enough that I'm not thinking ministry work all the time. Um, so, yeah, I think that's important is to be able to find that. I think that hobby helps us create a pace that works for us. Yeah, and I
0: think the, the big thing to watch out for is letting ministry related stuff become your hobby Mm -hmm. and uh, i know for me uh, my wife says that i have a really bad habit of taking a hobby and turning it into a full-time job i know one of the things reggie uh, got me interested in taking pictures and he picked out what camera he wanted me to buy and all that kind of stuff and so i bought uh, my first camera and i started taking pictures and uh, it happened. It took about three months, but all of a sudden I found myself being the church photographer. Right. And, uh, you know, all my pictures were ending up on the website, and here was just another job. And that's when I started uh, going out and taking pictures of old barns, you know, finding something different so that, um, you know, I just didn't turn that hobby into work. Right. And, because, um, you know, and it's
1: hard when you're in ministry because everything turns into ministry. Yeah, Every opportunity yeah. you have. I mean, even sitting at a football game on Friday night. I mean, I oversee youth ministry. So yeah. I see all the opportunities there. But just finding something that, that can take your mind out of that place of constant work, I think, yeah. is important.
0: All right. So we've talked about having realistic goals. We've talked about um, taking your ministry from where you are to where god wants you to be we've talked about uh taking time off uh what about um you know what 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 other things have helped you uh you know uh pacing yourself in the ministry
1: um i think one of the things that i heard you say over and over again is that um the steps of a righteous man are ordered of god yeah and Um, I think sometimes I I think in leaps. I I naturally do. And that was the first thing I did when I came on staff was I moved in leaps because I wanted to fix everything yesterday. Like even as well as it was going and and I came into a good situation, but I wanted it to be 10 steps ahead of where we were. Um, And so I think, you know, when we're talking about setting – those steps of of really being conscious of making sure those steps are reasonable steps and that we're, we're thinking outside of the fact that we're in ministry full time, the people that are serving under us a lot of times aren't. And so, um, you know, how does this affect them and, and how fast can they move?
0: Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, um, you know, you think about a shepherd and sheep, and uh, finding that right pace doesn't just concern you. Right. It also has to do with the people that you're leading. Right. And you really can, you know, uh, always say the bigger the sh- you know, the bigger the ship, the more water it takes to turn it around. But if you're leading thousands of sheep right. or hundreds of sheep, uh, you can't move at the same pace uh, if, you know, you just got four race sheep <laughs> that you're trying to,
1: I didn't know uh, they had those. Yeah. race sheep. You know,
0: <laughs> it's at the fair here in Tennessee. They okay. have those. Yeah. But, uh, uh, that's important. Now, you know, one of the questions that I was asked today on the webinar that we did was, uh, you know, our, our workers work once a month and how fast do we need to move them to uh, work in every week? And, uh, to me, um, that's a process of years. I know when I was at church on the move, uh, I took, when I got there, there was every different commitment level. Uh, Anything anyone would give us, we'd take it. So there were some folks that were there every other week, some once a month, some once a millennium, you know, some uh, were just, I'll be on standby. Uh, There was every kind of commitment. And so we had to sit down and say, what do we want our standard commitment to be? And Uh, you know, for us, we thought, you know, everybody needs to serve a minimum of once a month. But it was two or three years before we moved it to twice a month. And it was uh, four or five more years till we moved it to, you know, work three and off one. And it took me a long time to get us on a Sabbath principle. But I think uh, that's the biggest mistake people make is, we go to a conference or we go somewhere and we hear uh, they have small group leaders every week. Right. And, um, you know, if you're a church plant or if you're just starting in ministry, um, or, you know, if the culture of your church is something different, it's hard to change culture. Right. And, uh, it takes time. And that's something that, um, I think you just don't beat yourself up about.
1: I think one of the things that goes along with that is not just reading the books and not just going to conferences but finding a coach you know for for me it became you and it was about infuse and what we learned through infuse because I did I I would read the books and think okay we've got to fix this right now and um you know it was just realizing and listening to you talk about, you know, this is something I, it took me 10 years to learn and and two years to write this book. And it wasn't something, but when you read it and, and you're new in ministry, you read those things and think it's something I've got to change right this minute. So I think, you know, another, another thing that helps with pacing yourself in ministry is finding a coach and, and surrounding yourself with other people that are doing ministry that can kind of be that balance for you.
0: Yeah and every church is different and that's probably the most important thing uh you have to flow with that you know a big mistake people make is they read uh Jesus choosing the 12 apostles and we think that happened just in one afternoon right but that whole process was you know a big part of his ministry probably took over a year to get all 12 of those folks in place and so I want you to see that just like the Bible doesn't happen overnight, your ministry is not going to happen overnight. And being able to set that pace and being realistic and get some help. And uh, again, uh, just to help navigate your culture and your things. uh, Another thing that's helped me, Helen, is uh, I I think this is another one of those things my mom told me. And uh, there's that Forrest Gump thing. I'm from Alabama. My mother talked to me all the time. But um, you know, uh, when when we talk about um you know pace and we talk about um how long that it takes uh to get things done, I think one of the things my mom said is the you know, the Lord rewards and pays, but payday and never Friday. And it's not always the same pace. Um all the time for everyone. You know, I read uh, different stories about uh, how there are some factors that have to do with pace. You know, you think about uh, it really was a two-week journey to go from Egypt to the promised land. But because of bickering and complaining and doubt and unbelief and folks not really wanting to submit to authority and all those other issues that just happen in church, Um, that two week journey turned into a 40 year, uh, deal. And so I think there's lots of factors. Uh, also we've mainly talked about us, but, um, leading others is another big part of, of, um, you know, trying to, uh, effectively, um, you know, be able to set the right pace. And I think that, you know, you just have to understand the people that you lead.
1: Right. I had um, one of the girls that served on my team was a a high-ranking official in in GE. And she came to me at one point right after I came on staff and just said, you know, Helen, when we do projects, and I mean, she was overseas, you know, doing stuff that was, it it took special security clearance for her to go do. And she was like, when we do projects, we push hard, really hard. But there's an end in sight. And, and realizing, I think, that there's seasons in ministry that you have to push hard. Christmas comes around, you're going to have to push yeah. hard. Easter comes around, you're going to have to push hard. But making sure that not only just for you, but for your team, there's an end in sight. There's right. a break. There's, there's time for them to breathe after those seasons that you know are going to be strenuous and difficult.
0: One of the things that I have learned over the last several years— is uh, when you hit a victory, take time to celebrate. Mm -hmm. I think when I was younger, we just, you know, uh, maybe high-fived one another real quickly and started working on the next activity (laughs) rather than take a little break Mm -hmm. and celebrate. You know, I even question all the things people do in the summer. Uh, You know, um, I hear people about, you know, vacation Bible schools and camps and trips and all these things. And I asked, you know, how many of those things are really building people into your church? Right. And, uh, well, we just never really looked at it, you know. Uh, We don't take score, you know, to those activities. Uh, When I was at World Outreach, we pretty much, uh, you know, we'd do one major thing in the summer, and then the rest of the time we worked on fall. Right. Because we had to have that break to push with that natural momentum that comes with school. And uh, I think that understanding your church's year Mm -hmm. and the things that are uh, big days, and that's one of the things that we're working on at North Star is, uh, you know, uh, in January, uh, there's New Year's and everybody's making promises and trying to make changes, and there's a natural momentum that comes there. The next one comes at Easter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for us, uh, mother's day is a, is a big day. Uh, we found this year 4th of July could be a big day right. and, uh, did something big in there. Of course we do our, we do camp and we also do a VBS. Uh, but we also threw in another summer event that, uh, worked great for the whole church was just, uh, a summer fun family fun night where we actually had as many people as we had on Easter, in the middle of July, wow. and uh, so that was good. And then now we've um, we've um, had a back to school Sunday and got everybody in the, um, you know, working. Everybody's coming back and getting a schedule of attending, and uh, we've got a big kids' day coming up this Sunday, uh, where we're just featuring our children's ministry. And then the next big activity for us will be, uh, our trunk or treat and, uh, doing something, um, you know, around Halloween. Uh, then we we'll do some food drives and feeding people at Thanksgiving. And then at Christmas we, uh, for our church, uh, rather than do a big cantata or something, we take care of all the DHS kids in three counties. Uh, that's the big thing we do. So that's our year. Right. And so, uh, Uh, you know, that's less than 12, uh, you know, that's not a big event every month. And so there are some natural breaks and some paces that, uh, we have to put in for our people because, uh, you know, even a farmer knows that you have to rest the crops and rest the field. And, uh, you know, it just can't be all about, uh, planting and harvesting, planting and harvesting, you know, there's gotta be a break built in. Right. What about? Do you give your workers any time off or do any things? I know some churches uh, build some rest in for their volunteers and stuff. Uh, do y'all do anything like that?
1: Um, well, they serve every other week okay. because we only have one service, and so they naturally have that. We don't have um, we don't have a lot of turnover on our teams. We've got people that have been there for a long time and love it, and you know yeah. we've tried to. I, I remember I came when I came on staff you know I was operating under the whole teacher mentality and yeah. I was like we need to give the the summers off and um it, it was funny the kickback I got was they didn't want the summers off yeah. so you know we try to I, I try to have enough substitutes in place that if you know when they want to take vacation we make sure that there's somebody to cover for them and we just kind of for us, what works is just letting them decide when they need to be out. Um, and making sure that there's people in place that can step up into that, that role for them. That's
0: great. Any, uh, last comments or words of wisdom about trying to do too much too quick or, uh, how, pacing yourself?
1: Yeah, I, I think that was just a big lesson for me was just, trying to do so much so quick and realizing it frustrates everybody you're trying to lead and you end up empty-handed. There's nothing there to show for it. And so um, the results are so much better if you'll just take your time and move. And and it's hard because, like I said, you read a chapter in a book and that could have taken you a year to accomplish, but it's 10 pages in a book that we think okay, before I can move to chapter two, I've got to fix this. So realizing that that's not realistic.
0: Yeah. And, and I know for me, uh, you know, I learned that one of the names for the devil is the accuser
1: mm-hmm.
0: of the brethren. And if I'm feeling accused that, oh, you know, uh, this, this, you know, uh, you know, this isn't fast enough. It ought to be right now. Da, 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 uh, you know, if, if it is, Uh, fighting and robbing my peace. And it is accusing me and making me feel, um, you know, there's, there's one thing to ignore that there's no fruit happening, (laughs) but if there is fruit and you're on the right pace and you're on the pace that your pastor wants you to have, and you're lined up with the vision of the church and you're just feeling accused, uh, it might just be the devil.
1: That's good. And,
0: you know, that's one of the things that helps me is to realize that, um, you know, God is not going to accuse me. And um, it does take time to build something great. Uh, We appreciate you so much listening to the club this month. And if you have a question about pacing yourself or maybe have uh, time ministry uh, or time management questions or something that you want to do, uh, ask me or Helen, if you'll go on kidmencoach.com and uh, join the club group and uh, click on forum and right there, there'll be uh, a uh, link to this lesson and uh, you can discuss it and uh, let us know some ideas and some things that you do uh, to pace yourself in ministry. You can ask uh, and post any questions you might have for Helen or I and uh, we would love to hear from you. So be sure and do that. KidmenCoach.com. And uh, that is uh, my uh, Kidmen Leadership Community uh, that we've come up with. And uh, that is an exciting thing you ought to be a part of. And discussing it makes it even better. And you say, why do I need to be in another one of these uh, children's ministry? Um, website things. Well, for nothing else, all the blogs that are in one place on Kid Men Coach uh, talk, as well as all the groups and the place for learning. Uh, it's great. So um, check it out. want to encourage you to check out Infuse. Uh, you can go to jimwidman.com and click on Infuse. The next group will be starting uh, uh, in 2016 and so be sure and check that out as well as if you have not gotten your copy of my new book, Tweetable Leadership. Go to tweetableleadership.com and uh, you can click on uh, the little part there that talks about pre-ordering. And uh, it'll be out on October 1st. And so uh, you won't be any pre-ordering anymore. And there's some special deals there where you can get some sessions with me as well as multiple copies and get your own bobblehead and all kind of stuff. So be sure and check that out as well. And uh, so that's it. So Helen, thanks so much for being a part of this month's club. And uh, I appreciate everybody that's listening. And I'd like to connect with you at KidMenCoach.com. And I hope to see you there. God bless you. Thanks so much for being a member of the club. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Club Leadership Podcast with Jim Weidman. To continue the conversation online, go to kidmancoach.com and click on the club group. For more information about Jim, his blog, books, and resources, as well as his infused coaching program, go to jimweidman.com. At Jim Weidman Ministries, we're committed to building strong leaders.